You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to Episode 52 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking excellence in food safety and quality assurance with Sharon Beals, Senior Vice President of Food Safety and Quality for CTI Foods, a culinary-driven company that offers a diverse range of quality custom food solutions to the food service and restaurant industries. For the past 40-plus years, Sharon has been at the forefront of food safety and quality assurance across multiple protein categories, including fresh, ready-to-eat, and value-added beef, poultry, and pork products, produce, seafood, soups, and sauces. And she's worked across food business sectors, from manufacturing to distribution and retail to food service, for companies up and down the food supply chain, including U.S. Foods, Maple Leaf Foods, Smithfield Packing, Tyson Foods IBP, Orville Kent Foods, Arby's, and Landafrost. In her current position with CTI Foods, Sharon provides strategic, operational, and technical leadership for six U.S. manufacturing facilities, including five USDA-inspected protein facilities, as well as to the company's suppliers and food service customers. As she told Meeting Place in a 2020 interview, at every location and in every position, Her aim has been to connect the dots that drive forward science-based food safety and quality improvements and knowledge. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Sharon. I'm happy to have you as a guest on the podcast today and to get some of your signature advice on how meat science is helping the industry connect those dots. Thank you, Julie. Always a pleasure to connect with you. Great. Well, let's dive right in then. You know, um, meat and poultry processors are always working to enhance the food safety and quality attributes of their products. But what advances in the science of food safety, quality assurance, and product quality excite you the most? And how do you think they positively impact industry processors? Well, Julie, that's a lot to unpack. So let me break it down into my favorite format of square bullet points, kind of my signature there. So putting science aside for a moment, One of the biggest advances is the continued spirit of cooperation and connectivity within industry and academia. I forget how many years ago that the then AMI, now NAMI, declared food safety as a non-competitive area. Bolstered by BIFSCO and other trade organizations, we have demonstrated that together we are smarter as we wage war on foodborne illness and promote public health. Meanwhile, we continue to advance across multiple fronts, including detection not only of the bacteria we can't see, to the foreign material, both inherent and man-made, that we can see. With regard to prevention, there's a lot more people more well-versed than me to talk about the latest and greatest antimicrobials and interventions on the harvest side of the equation, so that can be another podcast for you. I think the greatest and often most overlooked advance is that of promoting, reinforcing, and rewarding a culture that enables every single person in your operation to not only say something if they see something, but to provide the training and background to be heads up regardless of their role. That's how an organization moves from reactive to proactive to predictive. Let me give you a case in point. We have a relatively new general counsel at CTI. Anybody that knows me knows I love to do pre-op. It's the best time of the day to get up close and personal with the equipment, and it's a good predictor for how the operation will perform that day. Our GC made a point of joining me during a trip to a couple of our plants. 
I can proudly say he now enters a processing floor and immediately looks up to see if there's condensation. He's also on the lookout for foreign objects, potential cross-contamination opportunities, and so on. While he's new to the food world, he's become one of our best advocates for enlightening and educating his friends and colleagues about all the things food companies do to put safe, nourishing food into the mouths of the consuming public. Don't underestimate your people. They truly want to do what's right. An old example, but I remember it like yesterday, was when an FSQ manager at a beef plant once told me he had a breakthrough on the skinning line. When he asked the person in the room over position why it was important to keep the quote-unquote dirty hand on the outside of the hide, the response was something to the effect of, because I'm making food for someone's table. That's what it's all about right there. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I'm wondering if you have any advice, like from a food safety scientist's viewpoint, do you have any tips for like the meat product developers? What should they keep in mind when formulating or using certain ingredients that are designed to ensure food safety, but also maintain those desired quality attributes? Well, there's so many more options today to comply with everyone's naughty or no-no list, as they're sometimes known, especially when it comes to listeria inhibitors. I think back to when lactate diacetate was our only answer. And oh, by the way, thanks for sharing that important discovery, Oscar Meyer. Again, food safety, not competitive. The ingredient suppliers are truly the experts, and their technical teams are a great resource to help with selecting the right ingredients for what your customer needs and your product performance parameters need to be. So I'm going to defer to the experts. Do you ever run into problems? I used to always hear a lot about from the product formulators perspective, you know, they're all interested in being super innovative and, you know, getting the latest flavor in or, you know, making sure the color's just right. But that sometimes comes up against food safety where people are trying to use things that will help preserve, you know, or eliminate the bacteria maybe on the other side or make it more functional somehow, the product, but then it affects the color or it affects something else. And so even the marketing people then get kind of crazy because they want to market it a certain way, but it's in conflict with what the food safety parameters are for that product. Is that still a problem nowadays? Less so because everybody understands the importance of making sure that we put out safe, wholesome food. And to me, the key to that is getting in early on in the process. A lot of times, the food safety people weren't brought in until the 11th hour, 59th minute, and 59th second. And, you know, can we do this? Well, the answer is no, because you forgot about this, 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 and that. So the earlier we're brought in from a stage gate perspective, and the earlier we can lay out, here are the hurdles, or here are the watchouts, and we can build that in, the better off we are having a successful launch. You know, I have a colleague who uh, went from QA to R&D for a while, and he said he was useless for the first three months because he kept talking himself out of every idea. So you need that friction sometimes, professional, of course, but, you know, the yin-yang, the push and the pull to get to a better place. But again, the earlier the collaboration starts, the greater the chance of success. Well, and that's a, a little bit of a challenge that I know has been in the food industry in general for a, a long time. But what would you say, so I'm going to have you go a little bigger now. So what would you say are the biggest challenges meat and poultry processors are facing or will face in terms of quality and safety? And 
would you include aspects of sustainability and processes? Is it packaging or distribution? Would you include any of that in your assessment? Sustainability, corporate social responsibility, environment, social and governance profiles, whichever one of those you're picking, those are table stakes in all areas of life at this point. I mean, who doesn't want to save the planet before it's too late? But those are marathons that everyone has started running. The short-term sprint is still supply chain and people. You know, here we are getting ready to lap March 2020 again, and the supply chain is still the hot topic. An example from a recent meeting was the comment, we're on our last tote of lactate. What are we going to do? The industry has done, in my humble opinion, a great job of protecting our people so we can keep feeding the nation. But when there's a shortage of critical ingredients, the impact is not just the ingredients, but it's finding the acceptable substitute. What's the impact to labeling? Does the replacement need different equipment to incorporate, such as now you have to pump a liquid instead of a dry mix? What's the impact to the end user and so on? You know, FDA eased their labeling rules until the national emergency was over. FSIS has continued to broaden the rules on what can be generically approved, but that only works so well if you're printing your own labels. Pre-printed corrugated, that's a whole different matter. Oh, and if you have pre-printed corrugated and you need to switch to applying labels and aren't set up to do that automatically, now finding the labor to do so is the challenge. And uh, speaking of labor, it's not just the industry. When I landed in Ontario, California this week, the rental car bus now is also the parking lot bus. Drivers are in demand. I was like, where are we going? This is the parking lot. This isn't the rental car area. It's one bus making the big loop. And at the most recent reciprocal meet conference, academia is having a hard time as well. It was at least one person's opinion that it was because working in industry was easier and paid better. But I digress. For those of us that came from a land-grant institution education, Agriculture was the backbone of those schools, still is. But without those students, we have to go back to what I talked about earlier, and that is grow and develop the talent. The hard part of that is the leadership piece. We can teach technical all day long, but not everyone can become that servant leader that we all aspire to be. I know I've rambled a little bit, so to summarize, from my chair, the short-term challenges are people in supply chain, but we all need to do our part with regard to sustainability and however you define it. Well, you know, in 2020, I asked you whether you had an industry issue that you're passionate about or one that you champion. And you talked about food waste, which I put in that bucket of sustainability, right? So is that still at the top of your list, Sharon, or are there any others? Well, food waste, especially when you balance it against the food insecurity stats, is infuriating. Well, I know your recommendation, Julie, was in podcast, stay away from data. I just want to share a couple of points. The USDA's latest data shows that 10.5% of all households are not food secure. And if you look at just the households with children under 18, that jumps 50% to 14 or nearly 50% to 14.8%. Further, we rank number 11. Number 11, we didn't even make the top 10 in the world. Ireland is first, by the way, in food security. Is food waste to blame? No, but the amount of food that gets plowed under because it's not perfect or picked over at the grocery because it's not perfect, unless you're that avocado with the six-second shelf life, it gets thrown away because it gets lost in the back of the fridge and became a failed shelf life experiment, it's still a problem to be solved. It's like manufacturing. The goal is always to produce all product right the first time. Having to rework it adds costs. Having to plow under a field wastes all the time and effort and seed and fertilizer and water used to grow it. 
And that goes back to the marathon we are running. The resources of the planet are finite. Thank the Lord that really smart people have figured out how to get more out of agriculture with less. Less cattle producing more beef, fewer acres producing more crops, which leads me to my other soapbox. How do we as an industry and as a academia and as all of us in agriculture, how do we collectively get those not associated with agri-food production in any way to understand that we truly are good stewards of the resources and the animals that provide us our livelihood. We can do it one person at a time, like my GC. He, of course, didn't think we were evil. He simply didn't know what all went on behind those plant walls. You know, we talk about this all the time, but I'm not sure we're moving the needle. So that's my ask of anybody listening in. What are you doing to ensure that those that depend upon us for the fuel for their bodies realize that we're not the enemy? Right. And, you know, it's funny. I just got out of an editorial meeting last week where the meeting place editors were talking about how we would like to really put a spotlight in 2022 much more on the sustainability issues. And last year, our editor, Tom Johnston, put out a wonderfully in-depth report on water usage that's fantastic. And we've done a myriad of things, but we try to add those in now on company profiles to really find out what's happening as far as what where companies are really putting their money where their mouth is now. You know, people might have said before, oh, I don't know, you know, what people are doing, but people are actually making a lot of progress in agriculture and the manufacturing part. So I think it's a great soapbox that you're on, Sharon. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so you've been in the industry for quite a while. You've managed tons of people and you've been sort of in and out of different kinds of, you know, meat and poultry, you know, processing operations. But I'm wondering if you have any advice that you'd like to give to those up-and-coming young scientists who are entering or working in meat and poultry processing companies, you know, for the first time, especially those in R&D and food safety and quality positions. So my first piece of advice is just what I tell my kids, don't limit yourself. There's a great big wide world out there. And while the pandemic has curtailed how we do some things, it's opened up other possibilities. Who'd have thought that we would do auditing remotely, work remotely for months or coming up on years on end in some cases, use drones and warehouses to count inventory? I mean, those are just a couple of examples of how the world has pivoted and has found different ways to do things. The second is, and you know, speak from the, go back to the people equation I talked about earlier, don't discount the experience you'll get working in a manufacturing facility. It's not very glamorous, but you know, I learned more about people during my year as a second shift QA technician at Landifrost than I had in my previous 22 years on the planet. Our plant manager, Bob Jackson, God rest his soul, had a great knack for holding people accountable, yet he was approachable and compassionate. My immediate supervisor, Bob Culler, showed me that the only bad question was the one not asked. I learned about Serbia, Poland, Mexico. And you shouldn't mistake somebody being from Hegwish as not having been born in Illinois. I made that (laughs) mistake with the uh, trim room supervisor who I had a hard time understanding. Third, it's a wise person that knows their limitations, especially as you want to grow professionally. Not all of us are cut out to manage people. Not all of us are cut out to be on the scientific track. Not all of us want or need to get advanced degrees. And oh, by the way, somewhere along the line, OJT, good old on-job training, 
can tip the scales your way. Just ask John Butts about my famous interview response 40 plus years ago. Those of you that know John. Last, and I'm going to channel my nerve Fred Rogers, be humble and be kind. Give credit where it's due. Say please and thank you. Own your mistakes. And always think through the preventive measure, not just the immediate corrective action. Because without that longer term view of how you're going to stop something from happening again, it's going to be lather, rinse, repeat. So that's the old adage of you don't come to someone with a problem without having at least some idea of what the solution is going to be, but then add on. And how is it going to not happen again? I love that. That's one of my favorite pieces of advice to pass on because people who I started out under, that was one of the best pieces of advice that you always, if there's a problem, always come to the table with some, even if it's just an idea of a solution. And I really think that's great advice for anybody, (laughs) whether you're starting out or not. (laughs) That's true. Well, you know, Sharon, I'm really appreciative that you took this time to share your expertise with us today on Meeting Pod. And listeners, you can find out more about CTI Foods by visiting ctifoods.com, where you'll find more about the company's innovative products from beef, chicken, and other proteins to soups, sauces, and dehydrated beans, and its chef-trusted approach to product innovation and menu development. Also, be sure to check out our April 2020 issue of Meeting Place online, where Sharon was our featured science profile in the article SKKB360. You'll have to read it to see what SKKB stands for and to get more of Sharon's practical and science-based thought leadership on food safety and quality in the meat processing business. And please do visit our website at www.meetingplace.com to access our technical article archives and podcasts to get more smart manufacturing advice first published in our R&D Matters newsletters. Thanks again, Sharon. I'm looking forward to seeing more of you in 2022. And, you know, Facebook is really fun, but there's nothing like chatting in person. Well, as always, Julie, good talking to you. And the beauty of this podcast is that no one can see my helmet hair from Priyat this morning. So appreciative of that. <laughs> so thanks again, Julie. Everybody stay safe and let 2022 be the year we finally kick COVID to the curb. Thanks. Stay safe. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. <laughs> thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.